Publish Our Podcast, Episode 72. I love today's podcast episode so much because it is all about second chances, second careers, finding yourself later in life, and fulfilling your dreams. So I'm interviewing Raina Martyr-Genton today, who was a full-time practicing lawyer until she was almost 50 and then decided, you know what, this doesn't fulfill me. She started taking some writing classes and wrote a first novel at 50 and is now pursuing a career as an author, which I just, I love so much. This interview is a lot of fun. We cover a lot of ground, including her search for an agent, um, different publishing options, why she went two different routes, struggles with marketing, and, and all of the things. There is just so much greatness in this episode. You're going to love it. As always, I would like to remind you to uh, to head on over to womeninpublishingsummit.com for its slash events and check out all of our events. Check out everything that we have going on. We've got some great blog posts. We've got some great sponsor deals on our sponsor page. Um, if you're there before August 15th, 2022, our call for speakers is open for the March 2023 conference. So all kinds of things happening on our website. All right. Well, I'm not going to ramble on much further, but I would like to ask if you're enjoying the show to please review us and share it with your author or publisher friends or other editors, designers, all all the folks in the industry can probably benefit from this, the amazing guests that we bring on this show. So thank you so much and enjoy this wonderful, uplifting interview with Raina Martyr-Denton. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your Welcome back to another episode of the Publisher Podcast. Today, I am really um, excited to bring you Raina Martyr-Genton, and what an interesting lineup of topics we have. She was a lawyer who, in later middle age, left the law career to pursue her passion of writing, which I think will resonate with many people, and we're going to talk about her journey and all the things that came through there. So she grew up in Great Neck, New York. She attended college and law school at Yale for many Many years she practiced as an appellate attorney with the public defender's office before returning to write full, writing full-time. Raina has studied at the Writing Institute at Sarah Lawrence College and her work has been published widely online and in print. Her debut novel, a romantic legal thriller entitled Unreasonable Doubts, was named a finalist for the Women's Fiction Writers Association Star Award in 2019. Her first novel for children, My Name is Layla, Touchpoint Press, January 2021, is the story of a young teen with undiagnosed dyslexia. Raina's latest novel, Both Are True, is a contemporary fiction set in New York City and was released by Moonshine Cove Press in October 2021. Raina lives with her family in Scarsdale, New York, and you can find out more at her website, RainaMartyrGenton.com, which will be in the show notes. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So not only are you just like a thrill seeker by leaving your career and starting a whole new, um, a whole new career as an author, you're obviously very intelligent, Yale and all of these big places, yeah. Sarah Lawrence College, congratulations on your success with your books. First of all, that's fantastic. Thanks so much. 
So let's talk about this because we have a lot of women in uh, in their midlife and later uh, journeys that listen to this podcast, and I'm sure many of them are curious about leaving the career to be a writer. So how did that come about? So I was practicing law. I, I practiced for almost 25 years, and the last job I had, I was there for 18 years. I was uh, working as a defense counsel, as you said, um, for a public defender's office. And it was incredibly satisfying work. It was also um, meshed well with raising a family. It was the kind of work that I could sometimes do from home. It was the kind of work that often didn't have very hard deadlines. Um, So it was really ideal for a a long time. And I would say somewhere close to when I ended up leaving, I kind of hit a wall. I just, um, I felt that I was trying to tell the stories of these people that I was trying to help. And sometimes I just couldn't find a way to do it that was going to work for them. And I, I, did, I never wanted to let them down. I never wanted to, you know, shirk my professional responsibilities, but I felt at a certain point that my heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I did decide to leave. And I have to say, when I left, I really had no idea what I was going to be doing. Um, <laughs> I, I was, you know, luckily in a position that I didn't have to get a job right away. Um, I could, you know, explore a little bit, which is a luxury, I know. Um, but I was in that position and I did a lot of things that people do when you suddenly find that you have time. You know, I, I signed up for all sorts of lessons. I signed up for piano lessons and yoga classes and, you know, trying to find what, what was going to do it for me to, you know, kind of make me feel productive still and kind of give me a new direction. And um, a friend of mine kind of out of the blue said, I'm taking a writing class at Sarah Lawrence. Um, why don't you come with me? And, you know, I had been writing professionally for my entire career, but I had never tried my hand at, at any creative writing, you know, maybe since high school. So, um, so I went with her and it all kind of took off from there. Well, shoot, I'm sure you could give some great tips just around that. I too have always been a technical writer and now am writing my first um, novel and it's such a different world of, of right. writing skill. It's like, ah, I have to make people feel about these people instead of just telling them the facts. <laughs> right. Very, very different. I, I would say that my job often entailed trying to make people feel something about the people. So maybe that mm. leap wasn't as great. I mean, it was hard because the people that I was representing were not people you naturally would have a good feeling for. <laughs> so, you know, that was a, really a skill. Actually, I think I did develop on the job that, you know, that did served me well when I tried to switch to fiction. I'm sure. So when you first started out, um, did you, which route did you decide to go? You were, were you looking for agents? How were you trying to publish? Um, yeah, I did, I did start by looking for agents. Um, and I guess I would say in that regard that that's sort of what everybody will tell you you have to do. And, <laughs> you know, whether that's right or not is, is anybody's guess. I, I tried to look for agents as a, as a not particularly tech savvy woman close to 50. I had very little by way of social media presence. I did not have the kinds of followings that I think agents sometimes look for as a kind of guarantee of who's going to buy your book when your book comes out. Um, So although some agents did read and, you know, I was able to get through to some agents based on other people I knew or, you know, other ways to get to people. um, I think after a while, I became pretty clear on the idea that it probably wasn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. for me that way. Um, 
and you know that's also a personal assessment i mean for me as i say i was i was close to i was probably 50 by that point um and i wasn't going to wait around forever for you know my books to come out into the world so i I decided to go some different directions and what direction was that because obviously there's lots of other directions there's self-publishing there's self-publishing assist there's hybrid presses there's small presses what did that wind up looking like for you so for my first book um i I did consider self-publishing but i knew that i it was going to be stressful for me to be Mm -hmm. honest i i'm sure that there are so many um, people that can help you with so many aspects of it and will take away the stress <laughs> aspect of it. But I just felt for myself, I wasn't going to know how to do that. And it was, it was going to make me crazy. So um, I actually ended up uh, going with a hybrid press. Um, my first book came out with She Writes Press. Oh, we love and, She Writes Press. <laughs> yeah. So they were fantastic. And you know, I, I think as with anything that you are a consumer, you need to be careful. You need to make sure that you're vetting whoever you work with to make sure that it's a legitimate outfit. But, you know, She Writes came very highly recommended to me. And um, and I had a great experience with them. I mean, I, I, I will admit that, you know, you have to get your head around it, right? Yeah. I mean, at least I did. Like you have to come to terms with the fact that you are investing money in having your work published. I, you know, and, and there will be people that say to you, like, you know, you can never pay to have your work published. You know, that That's all bad. And you know what? Let them do what they need to do. You do what Those you people to. may never get published. That's, that's <laughs> correct. And, you know, for me, I kind of, it took me a while, but after a while, I started to think of it more like, you know what, if I were starting a small business tomorrow mm-hmm. and I put this amount of money, not, not that it isn't a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money you know right. if I put that into a small business that I was starting everybody would say you go girl you know right. I mean they would be they would be thrilled for me so you know I, I just kind of had to change my own mindset um, about what what the hybrid model feels like and looks like well obviously as the owner of a hybrid press myself two of them um, I am very pro hybrid press for many of those reasons that you just said but I, I agree with you there are not all hybrid presses are created equally and for any of you considering hybrid press you should definitely check out the um, the criteria that the independent book publishers association developed around questions and things to look for in a good hybrid press Brooke Warner of she writes press and I were actually both on the committee to develop that so um, it's a great thing because you do have to know that there are, um, you know, uh, there's always people that are, there's a reason some of these companies got bad names, I will say it that way. But there's also lots of other really good companies that are helping authors secure wonderful publishing contracts, get out there, get their book out there. They're winning awards, they're selling books, they're making money. And at the end of the day, that's that's what we want to see happening. Right, for sure. So then you've got multiple books. So um, I believe then you decided to get to find a small press, correct? I did. Um, and, you know, again, pros and cons with everything. Uh, I, I admit that in my head, I still had that lingering feeling of it would be great to be published and not have to put any of my own money into it. Right, right, um, sure. <laughs> and you know what? And and also because it gives you you know a little more of a feeling. Although she writes is, is a vetted press and a curated press, you know it does give you a little bit of feeling that someone has accepted your work and you know right. it gave me a little bit more confidence going out there that some you know a publishing house was willing to take a risk on right. my work. Um, Absolutely. And 
You know, I would say it's been great. I have, I've actually have two books out with two different um, small presses now. (laughs) And yeah, and that is totally a matter of timing. Like when I, when I was looking into publishing the third book, the second book hadn't come out yet. And I kind of thought, well, I don't know, how do I, you know, maybe it won't go well, (laughs) maybe something will be wrong. So I didn't give them a chance at the the third book, but um, but you know what? It's it. I would say it's mostly been a good experience with with both of them. I, I I very much like the people that run both small presses. I had editors um, certainly at the second one that took a very active role in helping me shape the book, which I enjoyed, and I didn't really have so much with the hybrid model. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, they don't have like a sales force right. that goes out there like She Writes Press does. I mean, right. I have sold many, many more books of my first book than I have with the other two, even though I think I think I've improved as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think the books may be even better than the first book was, but um, but they just don't have that system out there. So, you know, it's been much, much more up to me to get the word out. And that's that's a very difficult way to sell books. Well, you know, it's really interesting too, though, because looking at your, um, at your three books, I mean, you've got a romantic legal thriller, you have a novel for children, and then a contemporary fiction. So you have three grossly different um, uh, genres and target audiences, which I'm sure also plays a role in having multiple types of publishers, because a lot of a lot of especially the small presses tend to focus on a certain genre or group of genres and not not the whole scale so it you know even if you had stayed with one or wanted to stay with one press you might have had to go elsewhere for one of those books anyway just depending on what the publisher was doing but you know i'm curious about marketing and you you'd written in your in your comments on what you wanted to talk about today that um, you said, I can talk about the struggle to promote. And I think that this is something that all authors come across, no matter which route to publishing they go, but especially you with three very different genres. I'm just really curious to hear about your struggles. Yeah. So I I would say, I don't know if this is typical or not, but um, as somebody who was totally new to this and no idea how the business works, certainly no idea how promotion works. I think I had expectations that maybe were unfair. So, you know, I I worked with a publicist on my first book. I thought she was lovely. I think she did all of the standard things that you are supposed to do. And it was fine, but I didn't feel like, um, in some ways, I still felt like I was doing a tremendous amount of the legwork myself, which I I think is probably true. Now I, now I know, I think that's true. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes. Right. But, um, but at the time I didn't, I didn't really know that. And when it came to the second book, which as you say, is it's actually a middle grade book. Um, I didn't want to put that kind of money into the publicist again, to be mm-hmm. honest. I, I paid a lot of money to my first publicist. I just didn't see it for the second book, which I envisioned as more a book that I would hopefully get into the schools with. Hopefully I would do you know, visits and author mm-hmm. days. Um, in the end, of course, it came out in during COVID. So there, <laughs> there goes it, that idea. Very, very right. I mean, I've been, I think I've been to five schools, but it's, it's so impossible to even get into a school as a live human being right. who doesn't work at the school um, at this point, that that's kind of been a wash. Um, so the second time around, I actually, on the kids book, I went with a uh, publicist who was more digital. He said he would hit all, all things digital. And 
Um, you know, and I think he did. I mean, he did a tremendous amount of work. He was half the price of a regular publicist, maybe because he was just kind of shooting out. I don't mean just, but he was right. shooting out mass emails to all sorts of internet sites. And and I'm not sure. I don't know. Did it work? I don't know. So in the end, when I hit the third book, I went back to a traditional publicist. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, in the end, my assessment is, it's who you work well with. That's really important. It's how much energy you are willing to put into it and to try to get creative. But most of the publicists, they have a standard repertoire of yes. what they're going to try to do to sell your book. And, and it may work really well, or it may not. And, yeah. you know, and for me, I think I could be wrong about this, but I'm coming to the conclusion that some of it is, is who you're published by. And, you know, that may or may not be right. (laughs) Maybe that's just an excuse I'm giving myself, but I kind of feel like if my books had had the backing of a large publisher, maybe things would be a little different. But as I say, I come to a different conclusion every day and I, (laughs) I don't really know what's right and what's wrong. Well, we could talk about this all day long. This is kind of my area of forte, but you know, it's, 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 it's challenging because you've got, you've got the author, the marketing of the author, right? Which what, which is what a publicist largely does. They're getting your name out there, what you're doing out there and trying to create those avenues. And then you have the book, the marketing of the book, which is done through avenues that reach retailers, librarians, book buyers, all those kinds of things. And I think a lot of times when people go with the public, Publicist, again, being a new author, how would you possibly know all of these things? This is, you know, totally new to you. I think a lot of authors assume that that publicist is going to check all the all the boxes, but it's usually a one-sided. Their their job is to create buzz around you, and um, and it's not always reaching those places that need the, the librarians, for example. They're not necessarily seeing those types of things. And to your point of what you said at the beginning was that it is a lot of work for the author to do across the board. Even with large publishing companies, there's a lot of work for authors to do: building that social media, getting out there, getting finding readers getting in front of them. But the advantage that the larger publishing houses have is that they do have a budget around this type of thing. They have um, the the inroads to get, they're making sure that the book is positioned in front of all the right places with the marketings, but more than anything else, they have connections. And I was, I sat in a panel, um, listening to a panel the other day, and they were talking about this role between Publishers Weekly, for example, and the books that they choose to uh, to promote and how often New York Times pulls from Publishers Weekly, but Publishers Weekly gets so many things from so many people that they, they were straight up, they were like, we often will open what we get from people that we know, that I know right. I work with this particular publicist, I know they're going to send me good things. So if your publicist doesn't have that kind of connection or inroads, which the big publishing houses do. So yeah, it's a big it's a big, 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 like catch 22 or round and round and round and round until you land in the right place. But um, I, I would say that like in, in your case, it's even harder because now you're trying to market three very different kinds of books to three very different kinds of audiences to three. So if you were, if your publicist was to pitch you for media, for example, what do you talk about? Are you going to talk about your journey? Are you going to talk about the children's, the middle grade, you know, so it's, it makes it tougher, but I would tell you to, to, um, 
keep doing what you're doing and to, to, and to, and to, you know, take what you've learned from those publicity um, publicists and, and, and don't be afraid to put your efforts more into like awards and more awards and more places where more things that are going to get the eye of the people who buy the books, since you don't have a sales force going out and pitching you to book retailers and, and places like that, um, writing uh, or publishing or conventions of like the American Library Association or the, your regional booksellers associations, like those are great places for authors to go to get in front of retailers, because that's hard. That's the hard part. Right. No, for sure. I mean, it- Listen, to me, it's all hard. And, you know, and actually, you know, I mean, when I hear you talk about the different things I've written, I mean, actually, the first and third book are are, are actually not that far apart of genre. Okay, but, good. But, <laughs> no, but you know what, I kind of feel like, you know, people say that to me, too, like, you're, you're messing up your brand by writing the middle grade book. Well, you know what, I had a middle grade <laughs> book in my heart. And, you know, I, I just don't care about any of that. Like, you get to a certain stage of life. Yeah. And you're like, you know what, exactly. I'm going to write what I want to write. And, and, you know, and I'm going to hope for the best. So, But this is kind of the beauty of being an indie author, though, is that you have, you can make those types of decisions. And if that's what, to your point earlier, you know, write what you want to write. And, and, um, and then you just figure out how to market it as you can. Right. So, okay. Well, I think, um, I think that your struggle is not at all unique. I just spoke with a woman who, um, even Natiello, actually, she's been a speaker on the conference before her first book was a New York times bestseller. She's just launched her second book. And this is the topic she wants to talk about, like how hard marketing is, even if you've already been a New York times bestseller. So for anybody who's struggling with the marketing, you are not alone. This is hard work. <laughs> this yeah, is, it is hard work. It is hard work. Um, okay. So I love the last thing that you mentioned in here, the joy of interacting with readers. Let's talk about that part. Let's end on a real high note because that at the end of the day is why we write books, right? Because we want to entertain, educate, change the lives, inspire, do something. And I think hearing feedback from readers and talking to readers is the best part of being an author, unless they hate my books. And then that's not so fun, but <laughs> um, you know what? It's the best part. And I think it's also the best when it comes from unexpected sources. Sometimes, you know, I, I mean, I got an email the other day from some woman who, I, where I get my hair done, I've left a bunch of my bookmarks. Cause I figure, you know, maybe somebody picks up a bookmark at the hair salon mm-hmm. and she emailed me and said, you know, I picked up your bookmark. <gasps> in the salon and I just loved your book. And, you know, she immediately posted a review on Amazon and you know, it's just, it's just great when you get that kind of feedback and certainly book groups, you know, and book clubs, I think to me are probably my favorite activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, it's, it's intimidating hearing people talk about your book and sometimes they ask questions that you can't answer. <laughs> they, they have theories on things that you hadn't thought about. Um, so, so, you know, sometimes it's a little, actually frightening but um but for the most part just engaging with the readers that way it's fantastic and you know especially for me the number you know although it's limited the number of schools i've been able to get to um has been fantastic you know there i have schools giving the book out for their summer reading and i met you know i met with the entire ninth grade of a local catholic school here that's fun it it was just amazing you know and i spent the whole day meeting with these girls like all day long different classes i was so exhausted by the end of the day i thought how do teachers 
possibly do this? Like you every just day, every day <laughs> with like, you know, oh my God, it was, I thought I was going to collapse, but, um, but it was, you know, it was great. And you, you feel like you sort of reached somebody and maybe, maybe you made them think a little bit and maybe you made them think about how they would deal with somebody who's going through some issues, you know, in, in a way that they were not attuned to before. And, you know, you, you hope to make a little bit of a difference. I love that. And you know what? Um, it, I, I like to listen to a lot of motivational speakers and, and do things, you know, stay on the upside of everything. And I, I love Simon Sinek's TEDx talk on um, your why, you know, remembering your why. And I just heard this again in a group that I'm in the other day, remembering whenever things are difficult, like the why behind it is what will keep you going. And, um, you know, until you've, obviously we have our whys, which why we start the process, but then now whenever you're having a frustration moment you can think about that woman in the in the salon that you obviously great gave her a great day if she loved that book because people do love to love books I love to love books that's such a wonderful sensation and then having this impact on that on those girls and and the other things you're just getting started so you may (laughs) not feel like it (laughs) but You've got a lot left in you. So, well, I, I enjoy this conversation so much. I think that, um, you know, you, it just, I think that there's big things left for you to do, and I'm excited to see how all of that plays out for you. So where is the best place if people want to connect with you, where do you want them to go? Um, if they go to the website, there's, there's an email there that they're, um, I would love them to connect with me. There, there's also a newsletter to sign on there. Um, I completely admit that I, as I said, tech you know, poor. So I don't get the newsletter out very much. So only if something really big is happening, but on the, you know, on the flip side, that won't be clogging up your in-mail box either. It'll only, <laughs> it'll only come when I really have something exciting to tell you. Um, but definitely the, the uh, email address is great. I would love to hear from your listeners. Wonderful. And I hope that you're able to get out to some in-person, more in-person events and connect with the people because personal connections are so important. I think we all really realize that now. Well, thank you very much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.